Good morning, everyone. We're thankful that we're all healthy. There's not a single case of coronavirus among our saints, and we're so thankful. And I'm also so thankful for the, the Bethesda home in Hayward. They're a retirement center. Walter is there. And there are no cases of coronavirus there either. And it goes to show God protects his people. He's with us, and we thank him for it. So in the, this week, of course, we'll have no meetings, but we will have on Monday night a devotion by Sylvia. It'll be available at 6 o'clock in the evening for a devotion, and also from Adel on Wednesday, also available at 6 o'clock on Wednesday. Please tune in to these messages. They're so encouraging, so uplifting, and such a blessing for all of us. So do that, please. And continue to pray for each other and continue to pray for our nation and continue to pray that this coronavirus will be stopped. It will be ended. It will be over. The shelter in place will be done. We can be back at church and gathering together. And that's what we're looking for. I miss it. You miss it. We trust the Lord for his help in this matter. Before we begin the message this morning, let's uh, look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us and caring for us and taking care of us this past week, since last Sunday, Lord, and all through the week. And we give you thanks. We thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have given us all the blessings and promises of God. And we're so thankful that as we gather before our laptops and computers and smartphones, we can tune in and hear the word of God this morning. We consider it a privilege and a blessing to be able to do it. But we can't wait for the day, Lord, when we're able to walk through the doors, the whole church gathering together once again, back to all our regular meetings. We know it's going to happen, Lord. You're with us and you're going to make it all happen and Take care of us, Lord. And we just pray now that you will speak through your word and through your humble servant, Lord, the word of God today. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will bring encouragement and joy and comfort to each one of us. And Lord, we just pray that you will hide me behind the cross. And so we just thank you and praise you in the wonderful and precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. A devastating earthquake shook Armenia with an earthquake of 8.2 on the Richter scale. It shook the country as one had never shook it before. That's a pretty strong one. Little Armand's dad had always promised him that no matter what, he would always be there for him. Armand trotted up the sidewalk and into the small school building. The earthquake leveled the school and officials assumed that there were no survivors. Armand's father rushed to the scene and began digging in the vicinity of his son's classroom in the northwest corner of the school. The local fire chief put his hand on the shoulder of the sobbing father, only to be ignored and brushed aside. Armand's father dug feverishly with his own hands For 38 hours, imagine that, 38 hours. Finally, he detected a whimper. 
He removed the debris and there in the crawl straight space wedged between two slabs of concrete was Armand's dirty little face. Armand shouted, I told the others not to be afraid. My father said he would always be there for me. Armand sent the others out first. He looked at his father and confidently said, I knew you would never give up. Just as Armand counted on his dad's promise and relied on it, we can count on God to fulfill all of his promises. The title of our message today is Standing on the Promises of God. There's no better thing for us to do in these days of the pandemic with so much uncertainty and so many difficulties and trials in our lives, but to stand on God's promises that never fail. We can always count on Him. We may not be able to count on anything in this world, but we can always count on our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Vance Hafner once said, we're sitting on the premises when we ought to be standing on the promises. Today we're going to look at three things if Ed can put them up onto the screen. Thank you, Ed. We're going to see, first of all, God's promises are given in His Word. Secondly, God's promises are always fulfilled. And number three, God's promises must be claimed and relied on. Well, let's look at our first point this morning. God's promises are given in His Word. Someone once counted all the promises of the Bible. Can you imagine counting them all? And there are many. And that person came up with a figure. 8,910 promises in the Bible. In the Old Testament and New Testament combined, 8,910 promises. The promises of God are like gems. They're like jewels. They're precious. And we have to discover them and we have to treasure them and we have to utilize them in our lives. You know, God is the ultimate promise keeper. A number of years ago, we went to the Oakland Coliseum to a special series there of meetings for men, promise keepers, and the men who were to be promise keepers as husbands, as fathers, as men of God, they were to keep their promises to the Lord first, to their families, to their churches, to their places of employment, to their schools, wherever they were. And I was blessed by this, and we, all of us were who attended it, were blessed. But God is the ultimate promise keeper. He never fails to keep His promises. One of my favorite verses is 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, because it tells us about the wonderful promises of God. 2 Peter 1.4 says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I love this verse because it says that we have His promises, and they are great promises. 
And not only are God's promises great promises, but they are exceedingly great promises. And it even goes better than that. They're great and exceedingly great promises and they're precious promises as well. God's promises are so encouraging. They're so positive. You know, our president tries to maintain positivity in this time of crisis. When he has his news conferences, Governor Newsom does the same thing. He wants to be positive, but they have to tell the truth as well. And they do about the statistics, the number of people that have contracted the disease and those who have died and they're being realistic, but they're also being positive through it all as well. And we need our leaders to be that way. Paul writing to the Corinthians said in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him are amen to the glory of God through us. Yes, God's promises are yes and amen. They're affirmative. They give us encouragement to keep going. They give us comfort when we need it. They give us help through all times that we're living. The great missionary William Carey once remarked, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And isn't that true? The future is as bright as the promises of God. I read in the newspaper the other day and saw it on television and news as well that the beacon on Mount Diablo was lit up on Sunday night for at Easter, and they're going to continue to light it up every Sunday night at dusk, and they're going to keep it on until Monday morning, every week, until this pandemic is over. And when you look at Mount Diablo, if you have a chance to go out at night, go out of your house and you can see Mount Diablo, you'll see the beacon. They showed it on TV the other day and they showed this bright beacon shining from the top of Mount Diablo. But I'll tell you one thing, as encouraging as that is, it cannot compare to the encouragement that God gives us through His promises. Titus 1-2 tells us, regarding God's promises, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. He promised us, and the greatest and first promise of all God's promises is the promise of eternal life. That's the one the sinner claims when he comes before the Lord Jesus Christ and says, Lord, please forgive me. I confess my sins. I have gone my own way. I have failed you. Please forgive me. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary as my only way of salvation. And when we pray that prayer, God gives you his assurance. He gives you his promise of eternal life. First John 2.25 says, and this is the promise that he has promised to us, eternal life. We will live with him forever in glory. And we look forward to it each and every day. The chapter in the Bible that has the most promises in it is actually Deuteronomy chapter 28. There's 68 verses in this chapter 
And there are 133 promises in that chapter alone. What a blessing it is. When King Solomon built the temple and dedicated it to the Lord and prayed before the Lord, he said in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 56, these beautiful words, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he had promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he has promised through his servant Moses. God's word never fails. God's promises never fail because God never fails. And Solomon was looking back and seeing God's faithfulness and how God fulfilled all His promises to Israel. And He has fulfilled His promises to us. And the promise that we are waiting for right now, the next promise, the next prophecy, as it, is, as it were, is when the Lord comes at the rapture and takes us home to heaven. We have the blessed hope of that promise, as we mentioned last time. And we are so thankful that we have all of God's promises. We can count God's promises and count on his promises because we can count on God. He who cannot lie, his promises will never fail. He who is unlimited in power, his promises will not fail. He whose love is boundless and eternal for us, we can count on his promises day by day. So that's our first point today. God's promises are given in His Word. And I suggest the next time you open your Bible, whether it's this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow morning, whenever it is, that whenever you read the Scriptures, look for the promises. Look for the promises. Because they're everywhere. They're all throughout the Scripture. And we have to look for them. And God wants us to be like miners. He wants us to go and look for those gold nuggets, those promises of God in His Word. Secondly, not only are God's promises given in His Word, but God's promises are always fulfilled. Not one promise that God gives ever goes unfulfilled. Now, that's not like our politicians, especially those who are running for president, who make all kinds of promises when they're running for office, but when they get into office, oh, all of a sudden they can't fulfill those promises at all. And they have excuses. And they have blame for others. But I'm thankful for the presidents that fulfill their promise. And President Trump, I'll give him a lot of credit, he has fulfilled a lot of the promises that he made when he was on the campaign trail. But human beings are fallible and they can fail, but God cannot. He is perfect. And God promised to bless Abraham and he did. And he promised to bless Isaac, his son, and he did. And he promised to bless Jacob, his son, and he did. God makes the promise and he keeps it. He's the promise keeper, as we said. God promised that he would give a son to Abraham and Sarah at their advanced ages. Abraham being a hundred and Sarah being ninety. It was unheard of for them to be parents at that age. It was an impossibility 
from all standpoints of medicine and science and just human thinking, rational thinking. But God goes beyond that because he has the power to do so. And when he promises it, he does it. He promised to give Israel the land of Canaan, the promised land, and he fulfilled it. He gave them that land. And later on, when they were sent out of that land by captivity and taken captive by Assyria in the case of Israel and Babylon, the case of Judah, and when they went into captivity for 70 years, God promised that he would bring them back to the land. And I'm sure that they wondered, would this ever happen? Will we once again see our wonderful land of Israel? Will we once again see Jerusalem? Will we once again rebuild the walls and the temple? Yes, God fulfilled His promise, His prophecy. And He talked about Cyrus being the king at that time and how He used Cyrus to raise up his people and give them the resources needed to rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls, just as he had promised. And God promised to send his Messiah, our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he did fulfill that promise when he was born in Bethlehem. And he went to the cross and he died for us and rose again. And he ascended back to heaven. And as we mentioned before, we have the promise that He's coming back again. God always fulfills His promise. It may come in the 11th hour and the 59th minute, but God will always come through. He hears prayers. He answers prayers. He fulfills His promises in a beautiful and wonderful way. And the more impossible the situation, the more glory the Lord gets from it. God promised to protect Judah and Jerusalem. And when Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, attacked the city and came with them with 188,000 Assyrian soldiers ready to devour Judah. And Hezekiah was king at that time and they prayed and Isaiah the prophet was there and they prayed and God gave the assurance through the prophet Isaiah that he would not, King Sennacherib and none of those Assyrians would enter into that city. God would defeat them. And sure enough, he did. The Lord brought about the death of 188,000 Assyrian soldiers that had come to besiege Jerusalem and protected his people. And he caused Sennacherib to hear a rumor in his own land and to go back to his own land. And when he got back to his own land, he went into the temple of his God. God with a little g, because there's only one true God. And his two of his own sons that came from his own loins killed him. God protects his people. God fulfills his promises. He is so good. He's so powerful. Recently this week on Monday... Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York told reporters this. God did not stop the spread of the virus. Our behavior has stopped the spread of the virus. The New York governor said the number of infections is, quote, down because we brought the number down. 
God did not do that. Faith did not do that. How would you like to say that? I'd be afraid if I said something like that, I'd be struck dead. But God is so merciful. But Franklin Graham gave the perfect response to the governor's words. He said this, We always must be careful who we give credit to. Yes, we must be cautious and combat the spread. But make no mistake, God can help us. His power is as infinite as his love. Millions of Americans and millions of New Yorkers have prayed for New York and for an end to the spread of this virus. We continue to see answered prayer in our field hospital. And they have a field hospital that Franklin Graham is referring to here that for Samaritan's Purse, they set it up to help in the effort. And he says, we continue to see answered prayer in our field hospital. Graham wrote, Governor Como, I urge you, don't dismiss the power of prayer and the ability of God to work in this crisis and in the ones that we will face in the future. He is our hope, and we continue to pray for His mercy on our nation. Yes, it's not man that does it. It's God. We need to give Him the credit. We need to give Him the glory. When He heals it, we need to give Him the glory. When He comes through for us and provides for us, we need to give Him the glory. We don't look to man. And in a case like this with Governor Como, he was taking the, the credit is what he was doing. And I can imagine when this pandemic is all over, there's going to be a long line of people wanting to take credit for it. Oh, I did this and I did that. And, and they're going to talk about all the people that helped in the effort, but they're not going to tell the true one who brought it to pass, which is the Lord our God. The Lord our God is a mighty God. He's a mighty fortress. He's the one that can do these things. In Romans chapter 4 and verses 20 and 21, speaking of Abraham, it says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. God, when he says it, he means it. And he has the ability to perform it as well. So true. God is faithful down to the last detail of his promises in our lives. Charles Spurgeon once said, God promises to keep his people and he will keep his promises. A man named James MacDonald added these words, when God promises it, he's not saying, I'll try. He's saying, I can and I will. So many times we make a promise and we say, I promise to be there. I'll try my best. I'll give it my best effort. There's a little doubt. But when God says it, there's no doubt at all. That's why we can say, God said it and I believe it. And that settles it for me. And I love that. It's so true. I like what Steve Lawson said about, about this subject of God's promises. He says, God's promises 
God promises to meet our needs, not our greeds. Did you catch that? God promises to meet our needs, not our greeds. God knows what we need. He doesn't always give us what we want, but He always gives us what we need. That's why Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When God gives us His riches, He doesn't give us out of His riches. He gives us according to our riches. The difference being, when God gives you a blessing, when He gives you a promise, when He gives you so many things, He still has just as much left as when He gave it to you. Because He's giving according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. They often say that parents should never promise something to their kids unless they plan to keep it. God, our Heavenly Father, doesn't have to worry about that because when He promises it, He guarantees it. It is as good as done. They have an expression in the business world that says, under-promise and over-deliver. And what that means is, you might feel you can give somebody ten, but don't say ten. Say seven. I'll give you seven. And this way, if you deliver ten, you look like an all-star. You look like a hero, a, a genius. But if you were to come along and promise ten, and you could only do seven, it wouldn't look good. You wouldn't look good at all. That's why they say, under-promise and over-deliver. The world loves the underdog. The world loves those who are overachievers that go beyond what their physical and mental talents may be. Yes, the great preacher D.L. Moody once said, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. You oftentimes hear on television these commercials about these products and they just seem too good to be true. Or you see some offer on the internet and it seems too good to be true. A lot of times they say, when it seems too good to be true, it probably is because it's going to be a fraud, a scam, something like that. And there's a lot of things like that, especially on the internet. And a lot of these products that seem so great, they're really, you get them home and you open them up and try them out. They're not that great. They really aren't. But when God makes a promise, it's always great. It's always perfect. So God's promises are given to us in His Word. And secondly, God's promises, He always fulfills. He always fulfills His promises. And not only does He give His promises to us in His Word, and not all, only are they always fulfilled, but we must claim them and rely on them. That is so important when it comes to God's promises. In Psalm 50 and verse 15, which was one of our memory verses we had in our memory class, and I miss the memory class. I miss all the meetings of our church. But this is a beautiful verse and it's a promise too. Here the Lord is speaking personally to us. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. God promises His deliverance. We just have to call upon Him. 
And then once we do call upon Him, and once He does deliver us, we cannot forget to go back and thank Him for what He's done. Like the story of the ten lepers that Jesus healed of their leprosy, only one returned to give thanks to the Lord. And that was a Samaritan. All the others went their way to show themselves to the priest. But this man, before he went to show himself to the priest, he saw he was healed of his leprosy. He was clean. And he came back and he fell at Jesus' feet and thanked him and praised him for what he had done for him. You know, it's not enough to know God's promises. It's not enough to understand what they mean. But we must claim them as our own. We must rely on them in times of trouble whether it be this pandemic we're going through or any other trouble. The other cause of, that came about because of this pandemic is the, is the economy has been wrecked. It's been ruined uh, in so many ways by this pandemic. But we know that the Lord gives us His promises. We need to claim them. We need to rely on them and make them our own. You know, God's promises are not meant to be put on a wall or to be displayed on a table. They're meant to be used by us in our lives. And that's what God wants us to do. A beautiful verse in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 has five different promises in it. And it's the only one that I know of that has so many promises in the same verse. Here the Lord is speaking again. He's speaking to His people through the prophet Isaiah. He says, fear not, for I am with you. That's the first promise. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. That's the second promise. I will strengthen you. That's the third promise. Yes, I will help you. That's the fourth promise. And the fifth promise, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Five promises. Tremendous verse. So encouraging. But we have to claim them. We have to claim them as our own, these promises, if they're going to have an effect on our life and bring us encouragement and joy. God's promises are like the fireman's boots and uniform that they put on when they go to the fire. They have it right by their bed. Mike can testify to that. He's a former firefighter and, and battalion chief in Hayward Fire Department. And he knows the firemen have their beds. They're all sleeping in their beds right next to them. They have the boots there. And if they have a fire pole, it's by that. And they jump into the boots and they jump into their, into their attire and their gear and their protective gear. And then they go off to the fire. Well, we as Christians need to have the promises of God at hand all time, at all times, because we never know when we're going to be struck with some particular Difficulty. Charles Stanley, the great preacher, says and pastor says, if we claim the Lord's promise, promises with a right spirit and pure motives, we will honor him, receive what we ask and grow in intimacy with our loving heavenly father. A lady named Elizabeth Peel Allen, no relationship to me, said this. Claim God's promises as your own, even inserting your name, and speak them aloud. God's promises are personal. Two people can claim the same promise in two different ways. Our circumstances and backgrounds are so different, but God's word applies to each individual who claims them. 
I love Hebrews 6.18 that gives us such encouraging words. It says that by two immutable things, and the word immutable is just a word for unchangeable, things that don't change, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. I so appreciated Adel's devotion and he talked about God as our refuge. He is our refuge. We can flee to Him. We can run to Him. We can claim His promises. We can be encouraged by the Lord. One of my favorite hymns over the years is Standing on the Promises of God. And it was written by a man named Kelso, K-E-L-S-O, Kelso Carter. And I just want to share a couple of the verses that he, he wrote in this hymn. Standing on the promises of that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. I love that hymn. You know, I miss the music. I miss our hymns. I miss being able to sing them with the congregation. I miss them being able to sing them with the breaking of bread. And I miss the breaking of bread so much. And I miss all the meetings that we gather together for, and I can't wait till we resume them once again. Charles Spurgeon once said, God never gives his children a promise which he does not intend them to use. A touching story was told of a lady named Verna Bauman of Telford, Pennsylvania. In 1979, she gave birth to her fourth child, a son named Jeff, spelled J. Spelled G-E-O-F-F. Interesting spelling. And quickly learned from the doctors that Jeff had defective kidneys. They rushed the baby to a children's hospital in Philadelphia. Still hospitalized herself, Verna prayed that God would draw near to her and give her comfort. And He did. And He brought to her mind John chapter 11, verse 4, that says, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. She wrote down the words of that verse, of that promise. Later, her husband called to report on the baby's condition. It's too early to tell if he's going to make it. And I know that he's quoting the doctors exactly. That's what they tell you. It's too early to tell whether he's going to make it or not. But Verna replied, He's going to make it and shared the verse that God had placed on her heart. I believe those words, she said. And her husband said, so do I. After three months of dialysis, Jeff's kidneys, though still defective, began to function on their own. Throughout his childhood, he took medication, but he tired very easily. At the age of 13, the doctors decided he better he needed to have surgery to have a kidney transplant. Verna herself became the donor of a kidney so that her son could live and live a normal life. Verna collected all the scriptures 
that God had given her. All the promises, there were 12 of them. And she put them together. And she and her daughter worked on a quilt. And they embroidered these these verses into the quilt and they put it on the wall in their guest room of their house. And later on, they took it to their local church and they put it up there. And then they also transferred it for a while to some of the local churches in the area to bring encouragement to God's people that we can count on Him, that we can rely on His promises, that He does come through. And in an impossible situation like this, we have a little baby with kidneys, kidneys, plural, that don't function. And how God provided in that situation and answered their prayers. So let's remember today as we close this message that we can stand on the promises of God, all 8,910 of them. God gives us His promises and He always fulfills them at just the right time, in just the right way. His promises are exceedingly great and precious. They are yes and amen. They're positive. They're encouraging. They're comforting to our hearts. God not only promises, but He fulfills it perfectly. He promised a son to Abraham and Sarah. He promised a land to the nation of Israel. He promised a hope of a Messiah coming to die on the cross for our sins. He promised us. And just like little Armand, his father said, I'll always be there for you. And Armand said, my dad said he would always be there for me. We can say the same thing. Help us, brothers and sisters. May the Lord help us to stand firm on the promises of God. Shall we just close in prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank You for all Your promises. We pray that when we read them, we will understand them, we will claim them, we will rely on them, no matter what we're going through in life. We thank You that You bring us through, Lord. Not only is there light at the end of the tunnel, but there's Your light at the end of the tunnel. We thank You that You know what's best for us. You allow things to happen in our life to stretch our faith and and to test us and We just pray that you will help us to come through with flying colors, Lord. Not because of our own goodness or our own strength or wisdom, but because of how good you are, how faithful you are to your promises, Lord. And so we just pray that you'll give us a good day today and a good week. Help us to tune in tomorrow night and on Wednesday night for the devotions from Adel and Sylvia. And Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious and most worthy name, amen.